Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Roasted Games Podcast. I am Kaz Gable. And I'm Bill Price. And today we are meeting later than we usually do. It's kind of a nice evening meetup to record. It's, yeah. It's quiet. It is. It's, uh, it's a good time to record. And we have a lot to talk about today. A um, lot. We have some playthroughs to get through, and then uh, a fun list, actually. I had fun making this list that we're going to talk about today that uh, made me think, really think about <clears throat> games. And, well, we'll get into that. I won't spoil it until later in the episode. But uh, let's start where we always start with, uh, what have we been playing? We have a big one to talk about. Yeah. Should we jump right into that one? Can let's, we wait? Uh, no, let's jump okay, right into yeah, that I was going to say, let's do it right now. Okay. So uh, we played uh, a four-player game at our friend Aaron's house. Uh, me, Kaz, Aaron, and my wife, Kirsten. We played Reavers of Midgard, which is gigantic. <laughs> it is so big. It literally took up almost every single inch of his gigantic gaming table. Yeah. Um, it's huge. large. This is not something you could go out and play somewhere <laughs> like, hey, I'm going to go to a restaurant or a bar and play this. No, yeah. you will not. You will not do <laughs> It'd that. It'd really annoy if you're on one of those long galley tables. Just annoy. Yeah. <laughs> you take up half of it. Yeah, you'd have to find four, like... four people playing games. Yeah, like an old German keep that has like some sort of gigantic <laughs> yeah. table family table it's in the middle timbers it's yeah huge. maybe or like ihop has like those those family seating tables oh, yeah, where everyone go. sits together probably get it on one of those but uh, ihop will not let you play that game there <laughs> uh they will only let you eat pancakes right um but it is i'm gonna i'm gonna spoil my perception no, of it it's it. fantastic it was yeah. it blew me away. Uh, I went into it kind of excited about sort of what it could add to champions. I played champions of Midgard uh, once or twice, uh, which which I liked. I liked a lot. Um, but it I mean, it didn't completely blow me away or anything. Uh, and and I was like, okay, maybe this will build on it a little bit. It seems a little bigger, a little more complex. Yeah. Um, I was a little nervous that it might be a little too much, but wow uh i'm i'm still digesting this game and it's been a week and i'm still still digesting this it was super duper fun yeah um what did you think before we get into like the details of it like what was your kind of i had a similar like for initial reaction is like ooh, this is complicated there's a lot of stuff out here just i mean so much the board is you know, there's all these like little decks that have been displayed on the board each one does something different um you've got your own little player board and there's just so it's a very busy board but once, dice everywhere yeah, dice all over the place <laughs> um and so it's a very busy setup and so it it was just like ooh, all right i can i'm almost already glazing over as, the, as i'm imagining the rules explanation go <laughs> right where am i gonna lose focus and miss stuff uh but um but no once we played it it's deceptively Straightforward. It's just one of those big games that the the functionality within the game is pretty straightforward and makes very logical sense. And so mm -hmm. I never, it wasn't like a, a abstract Euro game where I'm just like, why? I don't understand why this works this way. It was like, oh, okay, cool. That makes sense. It's just a lot of things that can potentially interact with each other or be another route of strategy. So I also thought it was just super cool. Uh, we'll get into it more in detail later, but we all, I think, did different strategies yes. with different successes. Definitely. And um, was just really one of those fascinating games where you had you just felt you had a gamut of things to choose from to do, and they're all viable. None, like none of them was underpowered or useless. You know, it just felt like you could go down a lot of paths for uh, for a lot of benefits. Yes, agreed. The um, 
to me the the iconography was the only thing that was was a little intimidating at first right but i think once you're about halfway through the game and you've seen enough cards come out and you've seen the iconography and it's so consistent mm-hmm. across all the cards and, and your player board and across everything you see the same iconography over and over again and uh and it starts to make sense it's not super intuitive at first right like some games you just can pick up oh okay yeah i automatically know what that means right uh but this one once you got the hang of how they were designing their iconography it made a lot of sense and you could not reference the the book for you know most of the game yeah uh which i like uh i agree with you it was it it is very straightforward in the way that it's played once you explain it's uh i'll go from the top down here it's uh it's a worker placement game at its core and uh, you are you have everyone does one worker placement. So everybody basically has one worker. It's a ship. You send your Viking ship to yep. do something. And your Viking ship goes and does something, and you get the biggest reward for doing that thing. The everyone else can follow, uh, meaning they can pay whatever it costs to do that action if there is a cost, um, and then they can do it to a slightly lesser degree. Now, the thing that's a little different in this one than in a lot of games like Puerto Rico or Race for the Galaxy, things that you can you can follow on, um, this follows less and less based on your placement. So the first player gets this huge thing. The second player gets a pretty big thing too. The third player to follow, uh, well, in position, gets a slightly less thing, and the fourth player usually gets kind of a nothing crap <laughs> yeah. crap deal they get to do like the thing once yeah it's like Whereas, the base action and then if you're first you get the base action and usually either double the base action or just a good bonus and then the bonuses diminish down the yeah. line yeah so if uh if the guy right to your left right to your left uh directly to your left <laughs> to your right left um yes yeah, so if the guy to your left takes an action you're gonna be the fourth player and you're gonna you know it's it's going to be fine. You're going to do it <laughs> anyway, but it, he's going to get double what you did. Yeah. Um, if the guy to your right takes that action, then you're going to do pretty well. You're going to do almost as well as yeah. him. You know, you're just going to get a little less bonus. Uh, but I really like that. And that's, that's different. So, so you're kind of really focusing on sort of what, not only what benefits you the most, but you can kind of play the game of looking at what other people are doing and what the person maybe to your right is doing and try and give him less of a bonus on an action that you take that you know might ben- really benefit him. Right. Now, it's going probably a little deeper than I think most of us went, but I could see yeah. some ways even something like that could be used in this game. Yeah. Uh, there's no bad spots to go here. There's no garbage places. There's no place that we, you know, that takes workers that we're like, like nobody ever used. Um, so it's, uh, and there were, there were several spots that didn't get used each turn because there's only four of us. I think there were, what, six spots, six or seven? I think so, yeah. So it was, all the spots are great. They give you lots and lots of stuff. Um, everything works together in very interesting ways. It's like a big puzzle. Yeah. Um, where you're trying to, it's very point salady, but you're, you might place here and get a set of cards 
that gives you extra points if you get pairs of some other card from another location. Right. So then you're going over there and you're drawing cards <laughs> from another location on another round or as a follow. And maybe those cards might do something that uh, can hinge on some other event happening somewhere else. And so everything really intertwines together. It works really, really well together. I don't feel like there's an overwhelming strategy anywhere. We all did yeah. go very different. I feel like uh, very differently heavy in different areas. And all were very comparable. Yeah. Um, you got off to a slow start, but really, really picked up at <clears throat> yeah, the I, end. I, I didn't. Yeah, I um, caught up. I ended up being third, and I was, but it was close. Yeah. yeah closer I, than I thought it would be. I barely lost Kir <laughs> Kirsten won. An epic finish. Yes. You guys are head to head. Yeah. Yes. Kirsten. Kirsten destroyed took it, it right at the end. Um, and uh, yeah, she, she killed it. She did a really, really good job. I definitely want to rematch there. But um, <laughs> yeah, it, that, that's really interesting. I, and, um, I really like that. That was a fat, like, I agree with you. I don't think anyone, especially the first playthrough, was really, like, eyeballing, like, what are you doing and how can I either get in the way of that or preempt you? But it was interesting as the game went progressively further into the game, you kind of started to specialize because that double action first mm -hmm. was really powerful. Like, if you were collecting, um, uh, let's see, was it Raid? Treasure cards. Yeah, Raid or... the Keep, I think, or was it, uh, anyway, let's just say it was, yeah, the where you get treasure cards. <clears throat> the I believe the first one of that gets you just more treasure cards. So if you are really going after that strategy, um, maybe on your turn it's beneficial to do that first so it kind of doubles down on that strategy, at least on one turn. Um, I know for the um, the bottom one, the Visit the Village or whatever that one was, where we're getting like upgrades and kind of uh, artifacts. That's what the artifacts mm -hmm. were. Yeah, I was doing that one a couple times because um, I really got, I was doing farms and that's where the farms are. And so I did that. A few, uh, only two times, I think, but it was enough because I had basically got to do that first action twice in that area. Mm -hmm. And so I found myself, and that was later in the game when I realized I'm kind of focusing on this. I'm like, all right, well, I, there's other things I want to do, but I'm going to do that yeah. uh, as and the you first player. dominated all the buildings, the farm, <clears throat> right. the, the yeah, tower, yeah. the walls, grace. everything. Yeah. I mean, you had everybody else almost doubled up. So the, the points you got from that were huge. I think yeah. if you had played a little more point aggressive in the beginning yeah uh like maybe in the first couple of rounds taking advantage of the sea adventure thing i think you'd wipe the floor with everybody yeah maybe i i definitely faltered on that well let's talk about that next um with the uh, what i i can explain what i did do so the other thing you could do in this game is on your player board you're going to be recruiting new Vikings to your cause, and you can use them in a few different ways. Um, they have immediate payoffs, where this game is a lot of uh, getting and rolling dice of uh, it's three different colors, right? Mm -hmm. uh, three different colors. and yeah, they Red, each, blue, and yellow. Kind of like each geared to one faction of Vikings, and um, they sort of do slightly different things. But you can assign a, one of the Vikings uh, as your leader, and then whatever color they're associated with, um, they can use the wilds and be more... Um, functional with that color of dice if you have a lot of those you can uh, burn them immediately basically getting more dice from them than you already did or you can tuck them under your board and have a continual power bonus uh, based on player location or low uh, um, what do you call worker it? Location. worker location yeah. there you go so if worker somebody places, on the board. Yeah. yeah if somebody places there then you get that bonus so and, let's say yeah. you and they're, they're minimal, but they add up, and you can stack as many Vikings as you want on each spot. And three. so what I did is I kind of focused on that. Oh, is it only three? Oh, three never mind. I thought there wasn't yeah. a limit. That makes sense, though. Uh, but they're small. So, for instance, let's say someone does go raid the keep. Every time they do that, that's not necessarily me, 
um, I would get like a red dice or a die or something like that. Or I could flip a die face or something like that. So it's minor, but it's really, really quite helpful in this game. So I ended up doing that. And what I missed out on is uh, going out to sea, which is kind of the main middle action of the board that is huge in points. It's sort of a Viking adventure <laughs> out to yeah. fight monsters and mysterious islands and mysterious discoveries. Um, so I didn't do that for a while, but I built up these Viking bo- bonuses on the bottom of my board, which worked out later, but I think I should have been paying more attention to that. <laughs> yeah. Beginning. Well, it seems like at first, it seems like those, those sea adventures are like way overpowered. It's hugely daunting. Because yeah, you yeah. can get 15 points, 19 points uh, on some of them. And, uh, and that's what I was hitting really hard. Um, the problem with those I've have started to see is that if you're concentrating on that, you're not building up farms or towers right. or walls and then at the end, each one of those could be worth up to, I think, four points each. Yeah. If you get the majority and you have more than like 10 or whatever. So you could get a, just an absolute ton of points from that other spot thinking, okay, these are immediate. Right. But there's a lot of other things. You can collect treasures. You can do all kinds of things that have this cumulative effect over right. time uh, as opposed to this this direct like just smorgasbord of, of points. So there's, uh, again, that just goes to, for me, just shows how incredibly cool this is, how, how there's so many different ways you can go. Yeah. Uh, There's gotta be, there's gotta be off the top of my head, five different distinct strategy paths you can go down. And there's probably more than that. Sure. More subcategories. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I think you can really, really go in a bunch of different directions. And I'll, and I think you could even combo things. I mean, oh, you could go yeah. after this and this over here. I think like you're saying, um, being the doing the main adventures for big point payoff, but then going home and do a little farming. <laughs> yeah. Just got to keep up with farms yeah, just or just something to offset. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I started to get into sort of a rhythm towards the end where I knew what I needed to do to get food first so right. that I could follow the sea adventure and I could follow... Uh, like the invading the keep and I could follow all these other things because that's what they cost where I found if I did what I really wanted to do I wouldn't have enough food or enough sure. what dice or whatever I needed in order to follow later right so you really have to there's a lot of resource management to it too yeah you have to do stuff in the right order you have to make sure that you have because yeah you you have the ability to follow every time somebody does anything but I purposely sometimes played on spots that I knew other people didn't have the food or the, the oh, sure. whatever to follow. To follow. Yeah. yeah. So I knew I was going to be the one getting this benefit and only maybe Nobody one else. other yeah. person might be able to follow, you know? Yeah. So, and I think, I think the more you play that, the more you start to notice that sort of thing and start to track yourself to make sure that you have the resources you need and you're catching other people with their pants down. Yeah. Yeah, uh, so that's a really neat aspect of it too. The, the other thing I really loved about this was this whole dice concept. The really interesting. I've really never seen anything like this where like you do all sorts of different things that just get you dice throughout the game. And you store them on your boat, you roll them. Some of them you roll, some of them you put on the side that you want depending on how you get them and the the iconography there. And uh, and you store them on your boat and you use them for things like fighting in the keep. Or for, you know, fighting at sea or for, you know, just doing stuff. Everything, right? There's only like one or two spaces, I think, that don't, you don't require dice to do that action. Because there's a, 
the one where it changes the first yeah. player marker and the last right. Player. And I think Vikings. I think to get Vikings, you don't. Oh yeah, need take Vikings. You don't need to. Um, but yeah, but yeah, there's uh, they, this concept of just having all these different dice, and and depending on like what colors you're getting, you may want to change your captain out, uh, which seems like a waste. But if you all of a sudden are flooded with red die, you want to make sure you get a red captain in there so you could take advantage of wilds and and. Uh, it just and, bonuses, and you get yeah. a bonus when you when you change out your um, your captain. You get a one time bonus. Yeah. So, it's, so it's really really. I probably changed my captain out like five or six times. I started doing it at the end. Uh, like I didn't change it nearly that much, but I started. I changed it out a couple times. I'm like, oh, okay. I see. This is more beneficial than I thought it would be. Yeah. And it's kind of cool actually because you're fluctuating. You you do your um, fates change of what color you're dominating in your boat or having the most of. And so it's like, yeah, like well, these I, are useless to me. So I might as well. Yeah. I went through times where I was just, just flooded with yellow dye and I yeah. had to have a yellow leader. Yeah. And then I just get all these blue dye right. from doing different things. And I'd be like, okay, well I need a blue leader. Yeah. So, cause <laughs> I, yeah, I've got one yellow dye and one red dye and a whole bunch of blue ones. So, um, yeah, so that really affects what you're doing too. And there's just, there's, I, I, I said at the beginning, there's so much <laughs> going on in this game, uh, and I, I love it. But it's, it's, it's not distracting. No. It's not to the point you're not looking at it going, there's too much going on. Yeah, I don't think there is. I don't think so either. This was deceptively like really easy to understand. I, I, you know, some a couple of clarifications of rules that are small, but really overall. Uh, it makes sense what each station does. It makes sense how to activate them. And like you're collecting sets of like treasures to get, or you're down at the bottom and you're grabbing like um, artifacts that just give you bonuses on your ship or something. So it just, everything was, there's a lot, but everything's very clear. And at mm -hmm. a glance, it just Absolutely. was like, Oh, okay. That's an artifact. What does it do? All right. Gives me an extra dice spot. Cool. I get that. And it's points at the end of the game. Yeah. So it just, yeah. I mean, uh, I, th I thought overall the iconography, once you got around a couple things and into it, fairly yeah. good. I yeah, mean, and it was, fairly it was clear. consistent. Yeah, and consistent. That's what it uh, is. Yeah. It was consistent with itself, which even if a game isn't necessarily self-explanatory with its iconography, if it can be consistent within itself, I feel like it's it's accomplished what it's yeah. supposed to. You know, it's it's made its mark. It said, this will always mean this. Even though it's not intuitive once you get it, you should get it throughout the whole game. Right. It's very obvious. Uh, and Kirsten does not love uh, really, really, really complicated games. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So um, the fact that she not only did so well at it, but really, really loved it. I mean, as much as we did, she did. Yeah. And yes. um, that goes to show for me, like, this is not too complicated a game. No, uh, not at all. But just it. And it's beautiful. It's really cool looking. It's so pretty. <laughs> it's like the hand painted style of the yeah, very cool wanna, Viking. If art you want to see it, um, I have like five or six pictures up on our Instagram. Uh, go check it out. It is marvelous. Yeah. I sometimes find myself just going to our Instagram at Roasted Games One, and uh, just, and just looking at it, scrolling. Like, mm, that's nice. <laughs> I remember feeling, that. One fuzzy feeling rolls over you. I remember that. That was nice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I really can't say enough about it. It was such a great experience. Even the, um, I really also love the balancing of the 
the terror. The terror was really interesting uh, and how it was yes. used because it wasn't huge, but it was definitely there. And yeah, so it's a balancing act. When you do certain things or in this game. Or too much of certain things. Or too much of certain things. Uh, you get, you can get, like, especially powerful cards that give you a bunch of stuff. You can take these doom or what terror or terror, whatever yeah. that terror. Because you're spreading terror um, throughout the land. Yeah. And uh, there are these little tokens, these, like, monster tokens. <laughs> and you uh, like monkey monster yeah, they look like a monkey insane demons. Demon monkey. Monkeys. Yeah, yeah demon monkey yeah. yeah that's exactly what they look like um but they uh to, if you only have a couple of them it's no big deal one of them's like negative one points at the end two of them's like negative three but when you build up like five or six i mean it can be like negative 15 negative 20 yeah three of them is um, negative six yeah so so by the time you like if you have six or seven of them you are screwed yeah. i mean you're Huge probably problem. negative 18 at that point and uh, and they become a serious serious problem. There are um, usually sea adventures to go on that you can uh, that the one bonus benefit it gives you is you can get rid of a terror. Sure. Um, so if you're gonna go after, you can take terror and you can get rid of it, but it's a lot more difficult to get rid of it than it is to get it. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so be careful with the terror. Having a couple's no big deal, but definitely watch that because that could change i could see a game flipping just yeah. on terror yeah well i lost six points at the end and that wouldn't have made me win but it would have brought me for sure closer but it was i i'm really impressed with that system because it's like a balancing mechanism but it's not too obtrusive into the game where it's like it's like you do have to pay attention to it but it's not like um oh crap i got a tear it's more like okay as soon as i get three i'm gonna really hit for points so i just gotta balance it and then so it, it's just like kind of a slight additional piece of information when you're making a decision yeah and so it's like okay I, I can take it but now i just know i've got to find ways to get rid of at least one and so i'm kind of keeping my eyes open for that option and that makes the worker placement timing a little bit more tense and intense mm -hmm. especially as the game goes on and you're gathering gathering more terror uh a funny thing about the terror too is like i was farming a lot and a lot of cards um will get terror like if you raid a village and take their stuff you get terror mm -hmm. for doing that and that makes sense or if you i don't know slaughter steal something then uh you get terror for that but also building a farm gives you terror <laughs> if you do it as a secondary action oh, down yeah, below yeah, yeah. <laughs> i thought that was weird but hilarious it's like well, the, the, the vikings come in destroy your town and then they just make a farm <laughs> yeah and spread terror through the farm <laughs> the terror um, of corn but the uh it, the 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 way that I the thing I really liked about it is it it leaves it up to you on the mm. terror you don't ever have to take any because you yeah, have you're to. rarely forced but to. there's a card there's cards that'll be like take a blue die but you can optionally also take a tower two red right. die <laughs> and an extra card. But you get a terror. terror. And you're like, well, <laughs> and you're like, yeah. oh, that's a so much stuff. Yeah. First time that happens, easy decision. <laughs> yeah. That's so much stuff. But then if that's your fifth terror, you're looking down going, ooh. Ooh. Okay. Mm, well, I'm, you're doing math and you're like, okay, that'll, wow, that that's a net negative two points <laughs> for me if I take all that stuff. Yeah. So what do I do? Do I do I take it anyway and then go after that, that sea battle that I think? think i can get because i see there's one out there that might give me yeah or that can give me a, a takeaway a terror so how how soon could i get there can i get there before the next person does oh it'll probably clear at the end well i don't know so you're like <laughs> trying to figure out I, yeah. do i have enough food to even right. go after that so it's just so much in this resource management i just love that it. too i love that idea of like 
you can go and you know be a Viking, do Viking stuff, steal some food, and everyone's just like, ah, ah Vikings. Those Vikings. But then you could <laughs> ramp it up on that same action to go hyper Viking, serious berserker Viking, and really get some food, and then you get some terror. Cause you're like, whoa, buddy, too much. Yeah. So I just love the concept of like hype, super like, Viking, Viking right it to the extreme. <laughs> but on a, you know during the weekdays you're just normal Viking. Yeah, you know. <laughs> yes. Agreed. So yeah, the terror system I really thought was a really cool balancing mechanism thrown in there that uh that was per player too it's not like mm-hmm. evenly distributed but it is that like you're saying it's that decision making process for you throughout the game that you've kind of got to balance yeah i thought it, it was very thematic i thought it was yeah. very thematic too um for being essentially just a worker placement i say just a worker placement game but uh for being what it is um it could easily have fallen into the trap of just being I'm going to maneuver things around and this could be anything. Sure. Uh, I feel like it really, the way some of the mechanisms work together, I feel like it really brought out the theme and I felt like a Viking. Totally. Yeah. Yeah. I felt like a Viking going around and rampaging and going on sea quests and recruiting other Vikings. (laughs) And yeah, I just, it, it felt, felt good to me. Yeah. Me too. I, I love the theme. Like you said, just really on point on the nose for theme and uh, yeah, such a fun experience that really brought you into the theme. (laughs) Absolutely. All right. So, so that was could, Reavers. Yeah, we could gush about this for yeah. a lot longer, but we're not going and to. And we have. <laughs> yes. Um, so uh, that brings us to our topic today, which um, is such a big topic that we're going to break it into two sections. Yeah. Um, and this is teaching games. Yes. So we've all done it. <laughs> we've all we're done. all going to do it. We've been on both sides of it. Um, we've had games taught to us, and we've taught games to people. We've ca- taught games to all kinds of different people. <laughs> um, and basically, like, I kind of want to get into uh, a little bit of, like, what's what's your philosophy when you're you're about to break down a game for somebody, a game that you know, and uh, there's a couple people there that you're just they're just like looking at you with. Bright, Puppy dog large eyes, eyes going, <laughs> Expectation. teach me. <laughs> Mold me, I'm clay. Yes. Um, yeah, I feel like I used to be much better at this <laughs> than I am now, but I've been re- I'm thinking about it a lot, and I feel like I did think more of the process of teaching a game, like directly, like what I should lead with, what I should make sure I mention next, and kind of um, guide in a certain way. And I always thought, I, I still think, <laughs> I just haven't been doing it as concisely, uh, that when I brought it in, I always like to bring the game in of just setting the scene of the game. Like, what are we doing here? Not going to components at all, but like, who are you? Like, for instance, Horrified. You are um, you are uh, these people. You're these characters, and you are trying to solve this mystery, or you know this monster's loose in this town, and it's your job to figure out what to do about it, and here's what you do. So just setting the scene of the story, and that also sort of sets the scene of the logic of the game, I think. Mm-hmm. It's like, for instance, in Horrified, it's like, okay, well, logically, you have to deal with this monster. How do you deal with this monster? Here's how you do it. Okay, now I have a concept of uh, my inspiration, I guess, and what I'm going towards. So it kind of takes care of the what's the goal of the game in broad strokes right out of the way at the beginning. So then when you're explaining the rules, it's all tied back to that logic of the main story arc that you're kind of encompassing or at least addressed. Mm-hmm. Um, so beyond that, I don't know, I kind of fluctuate around, but I always like to try to set the scene a little bit and uh, kind of give a sense of atmosphere to the game. Yeah, that, that's, that's a good point. And I think that's very important because I think when you sit down to a game, it's important to know what you're doing. Yeah. Not... Not building my deck, but like what 
am I doing? Right. Am I a rabbit hunting, <laughs> you know, something that whatever rabbits hunt? Right. Do rabbits hunt? Don't they don't rabbits hunt. Hunt. Okay. Hunt so, and carrots. Am I a were rabbit <laughs> yeah. who's hunting townspeople? A rabbit that's yes. Uh, what, <laughs> finally what, had too much. What am I doing? Um, for me, uh, I I like to do the same thing. I like to say, okay, we're we're playing dice hospital. We all have hospitals. We're all running hospitals. We're administrators and we have very small staff and very small hospital. And we are looking to heal our patients and build our hospital, build our staff and get better and better at healing people. And the ultimate goal is to get rid of, uh, score the most points by healing the most people. Okay. You get that. Yeah. Um, I also like to write up front, uh, say how to win. This is, you know, victory points. You're trying to get the most victory points in this game or whatever. Right, right. Because um, I think then people start listening for ways that you get victory points. So, and it kind of leads into, I feel like it leads into, okay, um, you win with victory points. Now, the way to get victory points is by taking an action here are the actions you can take mm-hmm. and everything that you do just logically follows this flow chart down. Um, but what I used, used to do and the reason I was so bad at game at teaching <laughs> games, I'm not great at it still, but, um, I'm getting better, uh, is I used to start in the middle be like, okay, right, so right. you have this deck of cards and here's what you're trying to do is you're trying to build it up and get this and this because if you get this card, it does this special thing. <laughs> and like nobody cares about the special thing because they don't know yeah, what not yet. <laughs> is even going on. Um, and I used to try and give strategies right in the middle where it's like, okay, so sometimes what you can do is <laughs> right. you can play these cards over here and it opens up a spot for this one. And they're like, well, I'm who like, cares? Okay, like, that's too abstract for me. Yeah, I don't even know what that is. Yeah. What are you talking about? Cards? Yeah. It's, what's, what's happening? <laughs> um, and so I, I have found that if you just tie, tie theme to victory condition and victory conditions to actions, yeah, uh, I feel like... After that, you can go through and you can clarify like special things like, sure. hey, if this happens on this round, then you can draw from this special deck. But here are the instances when this special deck is in use, you know, and here's what those cards can do. And then you can kind of go from for, for me, it has to go from top to bottom or I lose everybody. Right. If I don't go 30,000 feet and slowly descend down to the <laughs> ground, uh, I... I lose everyone. Right, right. What I used to try and do is just start at the ground and jump up. And I could never get to 30,000 feet because I'm not a good jumper. Um, so, yeah, uh, that I think is very, very important uh, to just start broad and get slightly more specific as you layer down. Yeah, near it, near it, near it. But I think the, the most important thing to know, it, I think, on any game and as some at learning games, the most important things I want to know what am I doing? How do I win? And what are my steps to getting to that winning condition? Yeah. So if you can teach me those things, I can figure the rest out as we go. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or, or explain whatever you need to, but that until I have a grasp on those three things, I'm not going to enjoy your game. Right. Or understand. (laughs) Yeah. I'll just be very frustrated the whole time. I'll I'll be like Kaz playing a game for the first time. Yeah. Yeah, a, uh, a, Europe, a very deep Euro <laughs> point salad game. Just 
furious, furious yeah. at everything. What's going on? <laughs> um, yeah, I, you know what I've been doing lately? I was just, guys, I was reflecting in preparation for the episode. I'm like, how, how, where have I been going wrong lately in teaching games? Because I've had some, I, I, I sometimes will forget a rule here and there. That's very common for me, but it's usually something minor. Um, but what I've noticed lately that I've been doing, and just unintentionally, is I just, I completely skip over how to win the game. Or how the game like ends, oh. like what the point is, because I'm just so excited to get into the mechanism. So I'm like, here's what we're doing, and you're getting like, for instance, I was t- teaching saboteur the other night, and it's just like, so remember these uh, dwarves were mining down, and here's the how deep the mine goes. It's seven cards, and then the eighth card is the mine bottom of the mine where the gold is potentially, and then it's five cards wide, so you can't go wider than that with your mine. And then you play. Here's how you do: you play these cards to do this, or you play action cards to do this. All right, cool. And the goal is to get the gold, but. That's where I stop. <laughs> There's so much more beyond that. About there is like, so up How do you get the gold? Is it important to be first to get the gold? Right. How the game actually ends? Uh, how many rounds of this are we playing? Yeah. I just get, and I'm just, just enough to start playing, but then I'm just like, oh, right. I have to explain like why you're doing this down there and how it affects right. gameplay. So I've noticed lately, I'm just leaving that off till the end. And I was trying to remember like, when did I get in this bad habit? And I think it was... Um, uh, I think it was, I, mean, I don't know if actually when it was, if it was teaching it, starting teaching games to my son, because he doesn't really care about that. He just right. wants to start <laughs> and, uh, learn how to do it and then go just roll dice. <laughs> yeah. Just, 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 just roll, roll the dice. dice. And what do the dice do? Cool. That's all I need to know. Yeah. <laughs> you tell me if I won, I really don't care. Yeah. <laughs> so Game's over. Okay. I, I think that's kind of part of the problem I've gotten into is just not needing to explain that at all. Um, but anyway, that's what I've been doing lately where I've been just failing horribly in explaining games. So I'm excited to reevaluate all this and get back on track because I, I, uh, I'm also excited when we're going to talk to Aaron, our friend who also comes to game night, who is, I think, probably the best at teaching games, I'd say, in the Absolutely. group Absolutely. Right he's what he does for a living. He's a trainer. He is a trainer. He's so a trainer he's... for the city. And he is, you can tell in everything he does, he is so meticulous about how he approaches a game. Get, when he explained Reavers... I was yeah. like, he must have played <laughs> this a really hundred times, yeah. but that was the first time he ever played it. Yeah. Uh, but he he just he broke everything down into all these bite-sized chunks. He's also explained Nemesis and Vindication. Yeah. I mean, these like complex games. These are really tough games, especially Nemesis. Yeah. These are tough games to explain. Yeah. Um. So, I yeah I I we're hoping to get him for the next episode to uh to sit down and just explain to us kind of his. Philosophy, yeah. how he breaks down a game. His how approach, he, mindset. Yeah. What does he look for when he goes through a rule book? And how does he translate that into what am I going to teach? And what how, what order am I going to go in? And what's important to know up front? You know, what flows into other things? Um, and I, I'd really like to get his uh, his take on that. So that, that, yeah. that'll be next, next week. Yeah. Uh, hopefully. This week, we are talking about games that in our own uh, faulted way, <laughs> we still yes. enjoy teaching. These are um, my favorite games that I love to teach. Yeah. And Kaz's favorite games that he yeah, loves to teach. I also have some games I love to teach, too. So um, I was going through my, my, the way I built my list is I was doing um, kind of the ones that I've been enjoying teaching more, more recently. So these aren't my favorite of all time. Uh, there is one on there that is kind of, I think, is a great one to teach and uh, it's a classic, I'm playing it a lot, and I just always enjoy teaching it. We'll get into that in a second. But overall, these are just kind of the ones lately that I feel I have the most fun uh, getting into and throwing on the table and explaining. And maybe it's only because I'm doing it well. <laughs> these are the only ones that I'm explaining well, perhaps. I don't know. But yeah, that, yeah, that's kind yeah, of my approach. So are yours all time or are yours mo- uh, more recently the ones that are in favor? Um, Probably more recent. Uh, these are all 
games that I've really started teaching, most of them within the last year. Okay. Uh, but they are all games I have taught on <clears throat> multiple, multiple occasions. And they're games that I feel like every time I teach them, I'm getting progressively better at teaching. Yeah. Which I think is why I like teaching them, because I have a spiel already. Yeah. I have, I know what the questions are going to be. I know, you know, where I broke down previous times. I know, okay, I've got this. If you just listen to me, you will, you will get everything. Yeah. Um, so that's, that's my list. I actually have six on my list. So I'm going to try and figure out which one's my, my honorable mention (laughs) because I can't have all of them. Uh, you know what? I, I'm just going to make my honorable mention now. Um, and I'm going to take it out of the list because it's in so many other lists that I do. And that's Orléans. Um, it's my favorite game in the world and it is my favorite game to teach because I've taught it a ton of times. I know it backwards and forwards and it is, uh, it's just to me, I am really good at it. I love teaching it. And if somebody hasn't played it or wants to play it, I'm all about it. Yeah. So that was my honorable mention. And these next five are like the real ones. All right. All right. Let's get serious about it. Yes. All right. Let's jump into it. You want to lead us off or? Uh, Yeah, I'll go first. Um, First on my list here is a game called Gizmos, which is... uh, by Phil Walker Harding. Our mascot, uh, our, not our mascot, our leader. <laughs> right. <laughs> he doesn't know it, he but he is. He could be our mascot, I guess. <laughs> um, yeah, so I'm just sitting here while we're recording, looking at my shrine over there to <laughs> Phil Walker Harding. Uh, just kidding. Yeah, man, it's you really, that. those no. lights that you have yeah, right now are very overwhelmingly bright. I know. You should see my electric <laughs> bill. Um, so, uh, and that is gizmos. Uh, I like teaching gizmos because, to me, uh, it has all of the neat elements that um, that Splendor has, but uh, I feel like the presentation of it, the way it looks, kind of keeps people a little more captivated because yeah. it's got that that you know um, marble drafting machine, yeah, and uh, and people are just enthralled with it, and it's uh, it's simple. And the cards, uh, the cards all cost just like one particular color. So it's not like this costs two blues, a red, and a yellow, or something like that. Uh, so it's much more basic, I feel like, than Splendor. Right. Um, and it's uh, it's fun for me to kind of demonstrate uh, once we get to the chain reactions, you sure, know, and yeah. how things chain together. And I really have a lot of fun with that. And I like pe- seeing people's eyes when they're like, oh. Oh, that's really neat. We could totally do. I could do that. Yeah. And they start trying to think how they could chain stuff together when they're playing. And uh, I just, it, it all seems to come together. And uh, and everybody I've ever played with really enjoyed it. Uh, and I I like teaching it. It's uh it's definitely an easy one to teach because because uh, it does hold people's attention and it does yeah. kind of grab the creativity uh, part of people. Yeah, that one's cool too because the real complexity of how the game works is in the gizmos themselves because they are the varied things that they do. So like mm-hmm. the broad structure is easy to get across, and then it's really just here's some examples of what gizmos do, and then um, there's going to be a lot of them that come up. So they're not all out right now, but you just know that they act in this way. So right. and the iconography is great. Yeah, it's very clear. Yeah, yeah it, it all corresponds with what you see on the little player board there. So it's. Uh, <laughs> 
yeah, there's there's no real surprises in there. There's no gizmos that come out that people are like, oh my god, yeah, what? what is that? Yeah, you know they they know and and you know what phase it triggers off and because it says right on there. So um, yeah. So that's my uh, my number five. Yeah, that's a great one. Uh, I'm going to start small with mine. And uh, my first one is uh, just a little one, King Domino. And the reason I like teaching King Domino is you start from a point of familiarity. Everyone, whether or not they've played it, get, knows dominoes. They sort of understand what dominoes is. And so why I like teaching this game is I, I like the fact that you start there and then you flesh out this more slightly more complicated game than dominoes is and people's eyes just go oh that's really cool so you always get the reaction with king domino of like oh that's neat or it's a very cute game too so it's like oh i love how the little farms go together and the (laughs) the wheat fields or whatever so it's easy to teach it's very straightforward but there's more game of course than dominoes itself but you start with this uh common ground and then flesh it out from there so it's just very straightforward teaching point and i just i just really like that and so um the uh, the core mechanisms of the game are pretty obvious, but then of course you've got your little castle and what that how that starts your your, your initial um, starting point, and then uh, basically all you're just describing is the flow of the game and then the point system, um, and then you're done, and so you're right into the game. So I just like teaching King Domino. There's other lighter games, but for some reason I just enjoy teaching this one. Well, I won the Spiel des Jahres for a reason. Yeah. Uh, yes, it is. It it is definitely easy to teach. I've never. Uh, I've taught it once. I taught it to Larry once. Uh, so I don't have a lot of experience teaching it, but uh, I enjoy playing it. It's a good game. Yeah. All right. So my next one is uh, a game that I gush over all the time. Um, it was, I think, my game of 2019, and that's <laughs> Dead Man's Cabal. Uh. <laughs> I really enjoy uh, explaining this game. I've taught it five or six times now. Um, I've got it down. Uh, I like the way that each room is specific enough and unique enough that you can break it down to say, to, to go with, okay, here's, here's the theme, here's how you, you get points by, you know, getting these guys, and here's what you do. And you can explain what each separate section does without having to tie too much into everything else. Um, It it just lends itself to breaking down very easily to go down the line of what everything does. And by the time you get to the end, which is the complicated one, uh, then, which is the black action there, I can't remember what's supple, not the sepulcher, but. Whatever it is. Yeah, um, I can't remember that. <laughs> uh, yeah. I love this game so much I can't remember the room, rooms. I can't even pronounce half the room. So, uh, but it, it just really is the way that it's laid out. It just lends itself to being easy and fun to explain. Yeah. And it's such a fun theme anyway. Yeah. Uh, and and it, it it's beautiful and the, the production's so good. Like people are interested. Uh, and it's just I've, I've never, never had trouble uh, pitching this game to somebody. So yeah, that's an interesting one too. Cause you kind of, you start out with like each board is its own little mini activity. That's all interact or mechanism. That's all interactive with each other, but you can start sort of with the main one, like the in turn order. So you can start to, mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure how you decide to teach it, but like, I feel like you could start with that sort of first board saying, well, here's how the turn starts and here's how it spreads out into other options. And yes. so it's got the, it's sort of a setup to be very compartmentalized. Yeah. Cause you can break out this column here, you have your choice of what's going to be the public. Everyone's going to take 
uh, a public action, and then you're going to take a private action. Yeah. Well, you're going to take a private, and then everyone's going to take a public. Here's how that's determined by this board. Yeah. Now, what those colors mean are this color means this, and this you explain this board, and this color, and then you go all the way around, and it just it's it's so perfect yeah, and yeah. like compartmentalized <laughs> uh there's a lot of games there's a lot of games that i especially euro games be where everything ties together so much yeah that you start to explain one thing but then you have to explain how it affects 10 other things but then those 10 other things affect other things and yeah you're kind of going around and everyone's like i don't even understand what's happening right it's like too much. Well, if then this, but also but if also, that, yeah. Then yeah. And, and and then that brings us to this other right. thing, and you're like, okay. Uh, but this one compartmentalizes so well that it's just it's it's a lot of fun to teach. Yeah. Uh, nice. My next one is uh, I mentioned it before, and this is uh, horrified. Uh, I love teaching Horrified because that's just one that kind of follows what I was saying before of really building the scene. Like you get the world you're in before you even get into the mechanisms and structure of Horrified. You understand you're in a town in Europe. <laughs> you understand that monsters are uh, invading this town. And you understand that your job is to resolve that however you choose to do it. And then you get in. So you really, and the board art is just beautiful and really just immediately sets a tone and i just i just love that because it does a lot of the work for you in a way of like um getting you into the feel of this game and then you can get into the mechanisms and i i just like i don't know i just love that so that one for me i love to teach because that environment and atmosphere is already there in a big way um so you don't really have to build the story um too much beyond that because people already kind of can feel it and then it's just it's also a straightforward game to explain and teach Mm -hmm. um but uh, that's another one, too, where it's just more you can see people get more and more interested in the game as you're explaining how you're going to do these things, especially how each monster is resolved differently. It's kind of like, oh, that's cool. And so a lot of a lot of that. So I really love teaching Horrified for the atmosphere. This reason. is the best game you've ever taught me <laughs> nice. as far as like the best <laughs> Like I'm gonna sit down and explain this to you. It is it's the best of all of your presentations. Oh, sweet. All by right. far. I think you are better at um at teaching horrified than any other game. <laughs> good. Well that's good because I feel like I'm good teaching it. <laughs> good. You are. <laughs> all right. Yeah, that's that's one of my faves. Okay. Um my next one, my number three, is uh a game that I've have to have taught a dozen times or more. Yeah. Uh just this last year alone. <laughs> and you may have too. Uh, and that is Space Base. Ah, yes. The classic Space Base. Yes. Space Base is such a simple concept. There's fun dice and everyone kind of starts, everyone starts off, you know, effectively the same. There's a little asymmetry with your first card that you get. But overall, everyone's basically in the same spot. Um and it's just easy to explain. When I do this, you look here and you get this. Oh, okay. And then when you buy something, this just goes here. And then every time somebody else does, you get the red result right, right. instead of the blue. And it's just a concept that I have yet to see fail with anyone. Total non-gamers love this game. Yeah. And they get it. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's the best part. Is that it's uh, it it's easy to teach, cert really easy to teach for gamers, uh, but it's really easy to teach too for people who aren't, and uh, it's just the overall simplicity of it. It looks complicated. People have gotten scared looking at it. Right, right. Uh, but it's such a simple concept, 
and that pretty much started with Machi Koro, um, and then became an actual good game <laughs> once once it became Space Space. You hear that Machi Koro uh, coming Machi for you? Koro. <laughs> um, yeah, the structure is very straightforward. Yeah, yeah it feels I, like it's obvious. Clearly, yeah. it's clear to understand understand of how it works. And I've taught it so many times that I feel like I can, and it's themeless. So I don't even start with Europe. I don't even know what you're doing in this game. Like there's like ships and you're like, I don't know, buying other ships. I I, I don't know. Yeah. But I don't don't even know what you're doing. So, so I I usually skip the theme. I'm like, it's sci-fi. Like there's, there's ships. Yeah. There's rockets and shit. Uh, so that's, that's (laughs) it. Um, so I don't go there, but, uh, I feel like I've taught this so many times that I just have the perfect swoop through. <laughs> right. And everyone's like, oh, I get it. Uh, there are cards, obviously, like the charge cards and stuff that are a little tougher concept to get. Um, and I have played with, uh, sometimes if I play with people who are not gamers at all, I'll be like, you know what? We're just going to ignore the charge cards. If they come out, we're going to take them out. Mm-hmm. Um and because I, I, those are a little tougher concept to explain to people. It shouldn't be, but if you've never played games before, that I can understand how just not being familiar with that at all, right, right, uh, can be a little overwhelming. So, um, but yeah, I I enjoy teaching space space. I'll teach space space to anybody, anytime, anywhere. Nice. Um, all right, my next one is uh, one I played a long time ago. I think it was. I think I played, it might've been the first game I ever played back at, um, uh, oh shoot. What was the, what's the brewery? The, the Russian themed brewery. Oh, Comrade. Uh, Comrade. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that game that I used to be at. And I believe, I think it might've been at least maybe not the first time, but it was my early days of attending game night. And this is grifters. Oh, and I've started playing okay. grifters again lately. And I, I like, I was so happy to play it again that I actually, uh, got it as a gift that I requested for over Christmas. I love it. And uh, I just, Grifters is such a great game and I really enjoy teaching it. It's another one where you can, it's got a unique theme um, where you can get into the theme where you're, you're a criminal gang and you're pulling off heists of some form or another. But it's just a very straightforward game that, once again, the story structure or the, um, the, the explanation of who and what you are really leads right away into of course you're doing this you're criminals in a in a heist gang okay so what are we doing you're doing heists right. and so and so how do we do that well you've got these people that you can recruit and they are part of your gang and they just help you do heists and so look at what they do you kind of just explaining the actions of what each character does are very self-explanatory they're very direct and simple it's not confusing how they work and um it's just a matter of explaining how that affects the heists you're doing how right. to do a heist and what the heists are that you should be maybe focusing on. Uh, obviously more than that broad strokes, but it just is the story atmosphere explanation leads right into how the structure of the game works. And each structure of that is very logical. It makes sense. Yeah, The whole night and moving things forward. Yeah, the, hide, and, yeah. the safe houses and the hideouts for a few nights till the heat mm-hmm. dies down. Oh, that makes sense. That's a cool structure. And so it's, it's just everything ties together very well and logically in um, uh, not a huge game, but enough a very so there's more meat to this game than might appear, oh, yeah. especially um, in the in the universe of the other games that are a lot lighter, like Coup. Um, but uh, yeah, I just like explaining Grifters. I don't know why it's just fun to mm. it's a fun game to explain. I feel like it's fairly straightforward to explain. Well, it's a fun game to play for sure. And that as well. I really yes, love that game. I, I enjoy I enjoy playing it as well. Um, my next one is one that 
you, I explained, I've explained it several times, several times, but uh, I did play this with you. You won this game, but we're very frustrated with it um, during the game because of the complete inability (laughs) to distinguish between bread and money. They bread makes physics. no sense. Yes. <laughs> so, but anyway. it's the most powerful component in the world. Right. <laughs> anyway, and I know you're talking. It's about. a Steffenfeld game. Yep. Uh, which should explain a lot <laughs> if you're familiar, and uh, that is Carpe Diem. Yes. Um, Carpe Diem, I I enjoy uh, because I I enjoy teaching it because there's just uh, I think it flows really well. And, and I think that um, the dynamics where everything kind of works together uh, sort of helps explain itself. Yeah. Uh, once, you, once you really get what you're doing, um, I, I enjoy kind of showing people how the different things interact and how this affects this and uh, kind of all, how all the, the point salad stuff works itself out. I like point salad games anyway. Yeah. And uh, this this is one of the easier Steffenfeld games I've found to, to get people to understand, yeah, relatively easily the concept of it. So yeah, yeah. I mean, in this one too, it's kind of could can. It's interesting you picked this one because uh, it can fall to like what you're mentioning before about too many too much interactivity. Mm. That led to sort of a lot of point salad games are just hard that way. Um, but this one is straightforward. Like once you figure it out, it's just a couple of things were hanging me up. Other than that, though, the logic of the game, yeah, is it, like well, like a lot of stuff in Euro games, stuff in Euro games, there is a skewed logic to the game. But yes. the core structure of the game is is very clear, and that you're supposed to you're building out these structures and areas in your own board, and um, you're doing it in this very specific way. And here's why you might choose this or yeah, this. Yeah, and I actually used my teach of our game. Um, to and some of the issues that you had and concepts you struggled with to sort of refocus how and restructure how I taught it. Oh, okay. So the next few times that I taught it, I kind of made an emphasis on, hey, here's what bread does. Right, right. And went through this linear path of what bread does. Here's what money does. And went through this linear path of what money does. Here's yeah. what your resources do. And went through a linear path of what those do. And so there was never any, I think I was just too generalized when I'm like, oh, you get bread and then you'll get golden. and uh, But not really explaining linearly what they did that made them unique. Yeah, yeah, And so yeah. I emphasized that afterwards and there was a lot less confusion from other people on, on how those things worked. And so that actually really helped me. And I All think right. that's, that's a, a key to uh, being able to teach a game well is the more you teach it, the more you can kind of gauge right. what hangs up people and how can I cut that off so that that's one of the first things that I cover so nobody's confused yeah. on, on that front. So uh, I feel like I've gotten pretty good at Carpe Diem. I enjoy teaching it just because I like playing it so much and I'm excited about it. And I, I feel like when I'm excited about a game, right. I feel like it gets other people excited. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, Well, I can follow that one up in that same vein of teaching this over a few times and getting better each time and clarifying what did I, maybe I can improve the explanation. And my next one is Kemet. Kemet is a very complicated game with 
Um, basically, the complication of the game is you have all of these tiles, which are basically abilities or um, powers that you can do in your bring to your faction and chain them together in specific ways or have them solo. They do big things. Um, that's really the complexity lies. But the main game is very straightforward for the most part. Um, so when I when I was explaining Kemet, I it's I would jump kind of jump around and sort of leave the powers like ah oh, you can figure out the powers. There's a lot of them. Here's what tiers you can get, and then they can string together in many different ways. And I still do that to a degree, but. What I do is uh, be more conscientious of tying how the powers affect the core gameplay more directly than just what they do and how they interact, um, because it is more. This is a territory control game where you want to occupy as many territories as possible, uh, or as temples. And these there's these temples that you want to occupy, and you're getting points for where you are and having the strongest force and spreading out. And uh, you're gonna be your army's gonna be dying left and right, and you're gonna be re- recruiting more. But who cares? Because you're a god, and of course they'd sacrifice them to you because you're a god. Right. And so this is a bloody fun battle game, um, which I really enjoy teaching as I've gotten better. I think I, I've always enjoyed teaching it, but I wasn't great at it before. And so I also have been clarifying or just reimagining or rethinking to myself how can I streamline my explanation and not get super excited about some component and mechanism and be like, and this is really fun, blah, blah, blah. Kind of like we were talking before. And this does this and this is this before everyone's like, wait, but what is the point of that? And why are temples important? Um, So anyway, I feel like Kemet is a, probably the biggest game on my list. I'm pretty sure. Yeah, it must be. It's definitely the biggest game on my list that I have just gotten better teaching. And as I've gotten better teaching, I feel like I've enjoyed teaching it more um, because I can just sort of see the, the cylinders clicking into place as I'm setting this sort of explanation out and people are like, okay, 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 okay. And then okay. here we go. Okay. <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. Kemet's a good one. Yeah. Um, and I'm also, I, am I never taught Kemet. So. I am, uh, I've been in the midst of painting Kemet for the last six months. And so I am yeah. almost done. I'm determined to finish it this weekend. Cause I really want to bring it back to game night. Nice. Um, next week. Um, all right. Well, my, final and actually number one favorite game to teach um i have taught countless times uh and i love so much and that is stockpile oh okay stockpile is a dream to teach because it just everything i don't know it makes sense yeah and and it it structures really well people really really get into the theme and if you can get them into the theme everything they do makes sense yeah you know so you're you're adjusting these different uh you know maneuvering these different stocks around and you're trying to get yours more valuable but you're trying to short sell when you know that you know something's going down and you have hidden information and everyone else has different hidden information and uh it just it makes so much sense in from a thematic perspective because you're bidding for different portfolios and stuff and it all just makes sense and it's it's fun and people uh people get it yeah i've never had anyone go into a game of stockpile and be like oh wait what (laughs) um it just it yeah it makes sense yeah and so i totally agree with that and at this point i've played it so many times and I, I've taught it so many times to so many different people uh, I've seen I feel like I've seen almost everything that hangs anybody up on it yeah and and I'm I feel like I am you know right there with giving giving out information before people can even ask and I'm so comfortable with it that it is 
it's my favorite game to teach. I, I will teach it anytime. <laughs> well, I would say this one, you are very good at teaching this game. You taught me it recently, and it was a very straightforward <laughs> experience. I don't think I really had any hangups when we started playing. I pretty much felt I knew exactly what I was going to do and nice. wanted to do and had some strategy thoughts already as we started. So, Excellent. Kudos to you, sir. You've Thanks, buddy. definitely become a perfectionist on that game. <laughs> yeah, I love it. Stockpile. Yeah. Go get it. All right, so my last game is Dixit. And um, Dixit is an abstract game, and it is a very sort of odd game in general. And the reason I like yes, teaching is. <laughs> Dixit is because everyone kind of gets the base structure of like what they're doing. But it takes the first round. Like You can't explain how Dixit feels to play, really. You just have to let it happen. So... I feel like I've gotten pretty good at explaining what to expect and how things work, and it's a pretty straightforward game. But what I like about it is that first round, it really falls into place because of the abstractness. It's hard to explain the abstractness of choosing the card, putting that in, why and like how you're going to choose that card, how it's going to affect other players who are making the who are making the guess of which is which. Uh, until that first round, and once right. you explain, I found the trick with Dixit is just explain enough to explain how that's going to work. And then they do it for the first time. And then you can like, just see it go, okay. oh, yeah. and that realization is just key. It's so fun to watch. But so I feel like over explaining Dixit was, I would go wrong with trying to explain like strategy, like we we're talking before mm -hmm. too much strategy, but it's like, no, nope, that'll come. Just here's what you're doing. Here's why you're, you're trying to place a card in here just for this reason. <laughs> and then, all right, you've got your cards. You see your cards. You just try it. Yeah. And then as soon as that happens, it's like falls into place. Like the game Pile yeah. So it's I love placing playing that one because it's actually less is more <laughs> in explaining Dixit, I think. So that's my final one. It's not my favorite necessarily, but I think it's more unique in teaching in that way. Nice. All right. And those were our uh, top five favorite games to teach. That was it. We've taught them many times. Yes. For better or worse. <laughs> yes. So what we'd like to know from you guys um is what uh what are your favorite games to teach what what is your teaching philosophy do you have a pattern that you follow do you have a way that you break down certain games or certain types of games uh anything having to do with teaching games we want to hear from you uh you can get in touch with us on twitter at roasted games one uh instagram also at roasted games one um, you could look for us on Facebook. Uh, just search Roasted Games. We are the ones with the flaming dice. Yep. Um, and, uh, you know, post, let us know. Let us know what you think. And now uh, you can also go to uh, eavesdrop.com and look for Roasted Games there. And there is a feedback uh, feedback section there. So we would love to hear from you on this. Uh, this is a big one, and I really feel like it's super important because... Teaching games is hard, and yes. learning games when somebody isn't good at teaching games is hard. Right. Uh, and so I not only would like myself to get better at teaching games, I would like other people to get better at teaching games. <laughs> because the better other people teach games, the better I learn games. Right. So we're all doing ourselves a favor in this fun cycle here. <laughs> uh, and I would like this to just 
go out into the universe and make all of us better teachers and better students. Yeah, I concur. Yeah, we'd love to hear if you guys have any stories of horror horror stories or positive stories about your experiences teaching or being taught. Those are always fun to hear. Um, yes. And uh, maybe we'll get into that. I'm sure we'll get into that to a degree. Uh, next episode when we talk to Aaron about his strategies and our own experiences yeah, <laughs> teaching and, or being taught games. And if you, if you, uh, if you do... Go on Twitter or uh, Instagram or Facebook and and give us some stories. We'll read them on the air here. So yeah, we'll definitely uh, talk yeah, about and and everything. So uh, rush and tell us your stories to your computers or phones, everyone. All right. Well, thank you guys so much for listening. We can't wait to get into the next part of this uh, subject on our next episode. Uh, until then, hope you guys are having a lot of fun playing games, and we will catch you on the next episode. Bye.